Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I'm your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? I'm tired today, Mike. Tired? I heard you were up on uh, Shmirah, you said. Yes, I was. Yeah, well, But I'm still okay. Right. I'm thanks, still for okay. Keeping, thanks for keeping the chusha safe. Uh, and our topic for today is going to be uh, Ethiopian immigrants and Ethiopian Jews who are trying to immigrate. Alan, would you please introduce our guest? I'd be honored and privileged. And this morning we have with us Ori Perednik, who is the founder and CEO of the Struggle for Aliyah for Ethiopian Jewry, an NGO that works with the Jews of Ethiopia in both Gondar and Addis Ababa, who are waiting to make Aliyah. He is the co-producer of the documentary The Passengers about Ethiopian Aliyah, and is in a, in a professional capacity, he is a new media consultant for a PR company in Tel Aviv. Boker Tov, Ori. Boker Tov. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we wanted to obviously discuss this topic because of the crisis that's going on now in Ethiopia. And we wanted to ask you how that was affecting the Jews. But can you give us some background first on the history of Ethiopian Aliyah? Well, there's uh, the history of Ethiopian Aliyah goes back uh, 200 years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the uh, I, I'll start with the more recent um, great history. There's been uh, first of all every Aliyah from Ethiopia to Israel. There's been a struggle in order to bring the Jews in Ethiopia to Israel. From the founding of the state of Israel till nowadays, every Jew who came from Ethiopia to Israel. Had to, there had to be a struggle, whether it's in Israel or American Jewry who were, were active on it, or um, Ethiopians, Ethiopian activists in Ethiopia and in Israel. So I got into the story and our organization, our movement, is uh, deals with the story from the last century. Um, after the big operations, Operation Solomon and Operation Moses, which brought airlifts from Ethiopia to Israel during Operation Solomon in 1990. Um, in the beginning of the 90s, they closed the embassy and they made, uh, they said, anyone who's there, um, who, what the Jewish agency at the time and what the government of Israel considered Falashmura, which is the, the sort of Maranos in Ethiopia, people who converted um during a war and during a famine that there was in order to keep their lands and in order to survive, basically. At the time, this is, uh, this is 100 years ago. At the time, uh, about a third of the Ethiopian Jewish community um, died. And another third um, converted to Christianity, but kept their Jewish identity, and stayed within their group. They didn't marry um, outside. They stayed the tribally separate. Yeah. In, their con- in their conversio group, they're converted. Exactly, the, yeah. yeah. So this was this is the group that I'm active on, which the government in Israel and and scholars call the Falashmura, but which is a derogatory term, and it's not, it's also kind of foreign to Amharic, so... Just the rem- I just call them the remaining Jews of Ethiopia. So this is from the beginning of the uh, 90s till nowadays, which every time 
Um, the government makes a decision and brings a few of them, but it separates families. We could see a situation in which both parents and all brothers and sisters are in Israel and one brother is left behind. And that's how I got into it about uh, 10 years ago when I saw that type of personal story. So Now, why does that happen? Why does one member of the family get split apart from the rest? Because they changed the policy many times, the government in Israel. What was um, in the past, for example, if someone immigrated to Israel and passed through, first of all, because the because they converted, so um, halachically they're considered Jewish, but according to the law of return, they're not considered Jewish because the law of return states anyone who's Jewish but isn't doesn't belong to a different religion. So um, the law advisors in the government decided that that disqualifies them from the law of return. It's controversial. It's a controversial decision, but it's the way things are. So every time they make right. Aliyah, it has to be through a government decision. And each time... Right, but how would that split up? A, but, you, but you were saying that the families that converted stayed separate. Why would one family member stand out? You had families that one became a Christian and the rest didn't? No. So, yeah, so I, I went a little back just because it's a little complicated. So, for example, if you had an entire family that came before 2003 to Israel and converted in Israel because they need to go through conversion and they go through conversion. Um, until 2003, if you converted in Israel to Judaism, you could bring your brothers or your children after you. After 2003, the policy changed, which I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. It's after the big immigration from the big Aliyah from... Uh, um, USSR, uh, what used to be the, the USSR. former Soviet Union. Um, yeah. So after that, the policy changed. So basically, anyone who anyone who immigrated uh, before two thousand and three and then saw, thought his the rest of his family would be able to come to Israel couldn't do that. Another thing, and this is one big change in policy that affected them. Another thing, another example is, I'm sorry if yeah, I'm getting very check. technical, but um, yeah, okay. no, that's last, what we want to know. Mm -hmm. So another type of, uh, of um, conversion and change in policy that they went through is it used to be that if you're Jewish paternally or maternally, you could immigrate in the spirit of the law of return, the, the Jews in Ethiopia. After that, they changed it. So if someone is Jewish from his father's side, but not from his mother's side, which also is tricky, by the way, because according to Ethiopian tradition, Judaism is from the father's side. So, so if they have a mother who her father is Jewish and her grandfather is Jewish, in their opinion, she's Jewish. And then she's married to someone who's, <laughs> who's Jewish. Um, so according to Israel, it changed. So they couldn't immigrate. Um, so every time there's different policies which change, which, which basically tear families apart. And these families left their communities in the villages in North Ethiopia and moved to cities. These cities aren't their natural uh, place of living. So they live there in tough conditions because they sold all their property and they're living kind of as refugees near these synagogues. Religion, yeah. yeah, even even relatively to the 
other Ethiopian, their Ethiopian right. neighbors. Mm -hmm. So they're trying their transition. Exactly. So these people are in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, um, in central Ethiopia, central um, south, and in Gondor, which is in north Ethiopia. These are two cities which the Jews left their villages and moved to in order to make Aliyah. So again, most of their families are in Israel, and most of their support is in Israel. That's why our movement is mainly focused in Israel. Most of the activists have families in Israel or or, or from the Ethiopian community in Israel and are aware to the story, or people like me who, who just met other other people from the community. Um, Can I ask you about uh, a little bit? So in Ethiopia, are they still practicing Christianity until they come to Israel, or are they basically practicing Judaism? No, they're, they're practicing Judaism. Uh -huh. You had another question? Yeah, and so they're not, but they can't convert till they come to Israel. Meaning, right. can't they convert to Ethiopia and then again, another change of policy? The policies are very incoherent and very flexible. So they used to be, they used to convert there, but now they can't. Now it's illegal to convert there. Um, there is a certain uh, it, sense illegal to by that. illegal by whose standard? By uh, the state of Israel, the Israel uh, Rabbanut. They go through uh -huh. the Rabbanut conversion, which is. Um, acknowledged right. by all all uh, sectors in Israel, right. even the most. Uh, and the, the idea is there because their heritage is somewhat mysterious. If they go through rabbinic conversion, then everybody's going to see them as Jewish. It eliminates, even though in some time, I think sometimes it was mishandled and it made people who were oppressed for being Jewish feel like, why do I have to convert? I, you know, I've struggled my whole life because I'm Jewish. And now you're telling me I have to. So yeah. I, I don't know that it was messaged well. But the intention ultimately was for their benefit. Yeah, and is that correct? Yeah, yeah, and I don't think. I mean, I think the state in Israel could change the the, the religious institutes in Israel. But currently, we see many people immigrating from other countries who have problems to get married and have a lot of problems. So this this conversion solves that problem in a way. So so that's not the. Well, the, the, so much, it's so much, weird to me. Yeah. Go ahead, Alan. I was just wondering, because you did mention it before in terms of the USSR, the former US, you know, former yeah. Soviet Union, and that was a great aliyah, and there were a lot of non-halachically Jews that, mm -hmm. you know, made aliyah, living as Israel, complete Israel. How, how much do you think it's uh, a race plays an issue here in terms of the Ethiopian? In other words, they didn't have that policy to the former Soviet Union, Olim. They took yeah. in Jews and their not Jewish family and just let yeah. them live here. Yeah. You know, some people claim that actually we're doing them a favor because uh, they're, they're Maranas and if they would be in another, in a different place, they wouldn't make Aliyah. I obviously disagree with that, but there are people who claim that. Um, I'm sorry, I, I forgot the question. Um, How much do you think race plays an issue? Oh, um, I'm sure it plays... I mean, there is racism all over the... It's something that exists, you know, we can't deny it. But um, right now, we see that there's a minister of Aliyah from Ethiopian descent. By the way, she's not um, from what, um, from this community, from the remaining Jews of Ethiopia. She, she immigrated. She's from the earlier. Yeah. yeah. But still, she took this issue to heart. It is her community. Um, and she's making a difference. And we're, we see that in the last, in the next month, more people are going to make Aliyah than in the last... Um, seven years combined so i think 
It's wow. mainly it's their racism probably pay, plays some part, but it's mainly political political power. For example, the the Ministry of Aliyah was always controlled by people from former Soviet Union. Some some great people. I'm not uh, against, but the Ethiopian community in Israel had very weak political power till pretty recently. It's still, you know, two members of Knesset and one advisor for prime minister from Ethiopian descent, but not much more. But first time that there's an Ethiopian minister in the ministry of Aliyah, which is extremely important for that community, and things are different. So I think it's it's mainly political power. Right. I mean, because it's so strange that they're coming in through the law of return, but the rules of the law of return aren't being kept exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're bringing you in law of return, unless we don't bring you, because even though the law of return says you should, we're excluding you because of this strange arrangement. It, it's a very strange arrangement, and we see it didn't work. I mean, any, even people who, everyone, even people who believe that this aliyah shouldn't happen because they're not Jewish enough or whatever, it something's wrong. You, you, you can't bring an entire family right. and leave one brother behind. So, yeah, so this arrangement didn't work for the, for the long run. And how much of it, I mean, you already said that some of it has to be racism, but, but is some of it also just a, a rejection of, like, crypto-Jews, of conversos, that, well, if you turn to Christianity, then we don't want to rescue you? Is that a, a I play think, at all? Or is I that think just... that, that sentiment is being played by political players, uh, mm-hmm. but, but um, I didn't see it happen in other communities. I mean... Right, right. Right. There so are it communities seems to be a combination. With, yeah, there are communities with people um, marrying non-Jews or converting and then unconverting. For example, we mentioned the the former Soviet Union. There's there's some of them who are like that, and it wasn't an issue. Um, so I think it's it's mainly political power, and I right. I think also the Ministry of uh, of Treasure, Misrad um, Outsal, see them as um, as a liability. And that they need to give them budget, which they don't want to give. Um, but again, I think that goes to political power because basically, be able to get your issue on the agenda. Of yeah. The government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you get a voice in government fighting for you? Yeah. yeah. Right. And the treasury's saying, well, since it takes them so long to acclimate to an industrialized economy, it's not worth putting our effort in to save their lives. Yeah. Because the former um, Soviet Union is. It, it um, gave a lot to the Israeli economy. It was people who had scientific uh, education, and many of these people don't have a scientific education, even though now in the cities more there is more of that. People who are in Addis Ababa are more ready for the Israeli mentality, but still. Um, so, yeah, so they see them as a, as a community which uh, is in need, and they don't, and they don't see it um, worth their money. Um, by the way, most of the budget for Aliyah, this is only um, in Israel. This is budget by the Israeli government. Everything that happens in Ethiopia, uh, plane ticket, anything preparing them, their Teudot um, Zehut, everything is funded by um, donations to the Jewish, through hmm. the Jewish agencies. So this doesn't go into the Israeli budget. Um, but in, again, in the Ministry of uh, Treasure, they... They um, they make up these huge numbers about how much it's going to cost, which we've seen over the years 
which were a little made up. But currently there is a, um, also in that area, the minister currently, Israel Katz, he's, he pushed it in the special budget for Corona, which was very limited. He did, he did uh, give, uh, he made it possible for 2,000 people to emigrate in the next, till the end of 2020. Probably won't what? be till the end, maybe a little after, but it's going to be very what soon. What are the numbers, in fact? What are the numbers? Of the people waiting there? Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, oh. Recently, in the Knesset Committee of Aliyah, the Ministry of uh, Interior, Misada Pnim, they said that it's approximately 8,000 people. Um, so it's something around that, maybe more, maybe less, but... And it's become something of an urgent crisis because of the reports of massacres going on and these sort of ethnic cleansing of areas there in the north of Ethiopia. True, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Tigray? The Tigray area? Tigray. I think it's yeah. Tigray. So, yeah, there's a war between... Which is on the bordering in Eritrea and Sudan. Right. Mm-hmm. And is bordering... So a lot of these people are fleeing into Sudan. Yeah, not from not from the community, not from Jewish. the Jewish community, but but north to Tigray, pretty close to there is Gondor, which is one of the main communities there, um, one of the main uh, centers of the Jewish community in Ethiopia, the remaining Jewish community. So, um, so right now, because of the condition there, we have we there was one last a week ago. There's an article in Times of Israel. There was a soldier uh, from the Jewish community who who was in the army in order to to finance his family, and he was killed. And um, this in the last weekend, there was also uh, an infant of half a year which had uh, medical issues which couldn't be treated because of the situation because the doctors in the hospitals there, which aren't the most advanced on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. now on an urgency basis, or, or even worse. So the, the, this baby died. And um, this, this, this is because the Tigray conflict is spilling over into Gondor, where the Jews are? It's, it's spilling, yeah, first of all it is. And there's been rockets uh, hitting Gondor, not far from mm-hmm. the, the uh, Jewish community. And it's influencing all of Ethiopia. Even before... Um, this conflict, it's been pretty urgent to bring them to Israel because of the COVID-19 crisis, which hasn't affected Ethiopia very extremely in, uh, in the health sense of it. But economically, it's, it's devastating all over the world, but especially in Ethiopia. And the people there, which, as we mentioned, are sort of refugees and are in a bad um, economic state right now, they're in an even worse one. Um, since they're waiting for, since their families in Israel, which usually support them, also make less money, so they send less money. And in Ethiopia, uh, rent prices are going high, and there are less jobs. So, so it's been urgent on an economic basis. There, there's been um, a problem of of hunger and other problems there before, and now with the crisis, it's even getting more urgent. We we wrote a letter to Prime Minister Netanyahu telling him about this urgency, which I hope he will um, he will take notice of. And I imagine in Ethiopia they don't have any political strength because they're not uh, not significant numbers, obviously, and within the, you know, they're trying to leave, so that doesn't give you... Right? Yeah, I mean, the, the government, to be fair, the government of Ethiopia treats them okay. Like, 
any other citizen, but but that won't. It's a help pretty chaotic government, yeah. also. Right now, there's there's a crisis, yeah, which I hope will end soon. But um, I also hope it will end soon. But sometimes, I mean, like in the early original waves of Aliyah from Ethiopia, that was also out of a sense of urgency because of the famine. So hopefully, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you call it a silver lining, but but at least maybe the issues can be resolved because of this. Yeah, maybe I agree. The, 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 maybe, yeah. It's an maybe opportunity, it's for sure. It's a, it's an Sorry, opportunity I'm... to put an end to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's an, uh, unfortunately, that how does things get onto an agenda? They become right. They become crisis, you know, a crisis level, and there's news, and as unfortunately, Ethiopia may descend into a full-blown civil war. I hope not. Um, it's... Uh, it, 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 brings uh, the, the issue then Ethiopia gets on the agenda and people see it it's in the media and then you know um, it, it comes it may raise the political system. profile yeah, yeah. and uh, Mike you mentioned correctly and um, Operation Solomon happened because there was again a civil war in Ethiopia different groups some of the groups are also in this uh, sort of civil it's not yet a war but it's a crisis so and that made the government civil in, in Israel yeah mm-hmm and the government in Israel understood that they have to act quickly, and they did. So I hope this time it will also happen. I hope that happens, yeah. Have yeah. you visited these places, Uri? Yeah, that that's uh, how I got into it. I, I was in Ethiopia with the Jewish uh, agency, and someone who I knew in Israel told me he has a brother there, which I at the time I thought, it's okay, okay it's like I have a brother in and, right. Uh, I don't have a brother abroad, but I have relatives abroad. So but I have um, a cousin in the states, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's not but like then, that. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was uh, I, I got to see the the Jewish uh, community there, also in Gondor and also in Addis Ababa. And uh, Alan, to your question earlier, they keep a very um, religious Jewish life more than many people in Israel. Um, it's three prayers a day, obviously, and all the chagim and. They don't eat meat because there's no kosher meat over there, and all the the Jewish um, halacha and also their traditions. For example, um, if we're talking about a woman, uh, like the halacha of uh, of uh, between men and women, so they keep it more strictly um, according to their uh, traditions. They they have a more r- 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 when women are in their cycle, they treat them yeah. more isolated. Whereas yeah, there was like in most the, normative Jews. They yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, like the and, uh, yeah. similar just, to like the red the, tent. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We just had the the recent uh, uh, Ethiopian holiday of the Sig, right? Right. Yeah, that is that is uh, fifty days, I think, after uh, Yom Kippur. It's by the way, it's yeah. in the book of Nehemiah. It's it has uh, sources in the Bible, which their Judaism is very biblical. It's more. Um, right connected to the Bible because they didn't have the Talmud um, until they met right. uh, the Jews. Which is why, which is why, you know, when, when, when those waves came, like with Operation Solomon, and they were told to convert so that they could be considered as Jews, yeah. it could have been packaged differently. They could have said, look, you know, you guys clearly are missing rabbinic Judaism, and we want everyone to be part of this rabbinic Judaism. You missed the Bayashini or whatever, the Second Temple era. So we're bringing you into that so that everybody will be equal. But it was, if I remember correctly, I remember feeling, I, I, I would have been offended in the way it was packaged as, well, we don't know if you're really Jewish, yeah. so we'll convert you just to be on the safe side. And I yeah. think I would have, 
It was packaged so... I, I hate well, to say it. It's a little bit Israeli. Like, it was just... In, you needed a little bit of, like... I don't know. A little bit of, like... I, I lived in the, in the Midwest for compassion. a number of years. You, you, mm-hmm. Huh? Compassion? Well, compassion, yeah, but also just like that—that that gentle politeness that you don't always associate with. I think Israeli also culture. Legal systems. I also think of an overly legalistic, you know, approach, yeah. which is which is cold. You know, legal is cold. It's either black, you know, you know, right? It's yes or no, right? It's nothing. So, yes. Uh, well, often that's, in, a, that's also a problem. Often in bureaucracies, you get be- bad behavior. Yeah. Because of a diffusion of responsibility. In other words, the people responsible for Department X want to make sure that that's taken care of. And they're not really worried about, you know, that, how people are feeling. That's so true. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's the main story here. Um, also with so. the immigration, it's, it's bureaucrats who just, who just want to make their numbers right. And eventually it ruins people's lives. Right. I think it's very... But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, by the way, if the we're al- talking about... Go ahead, Alan. No, I was just going to say, if we're talking about the biblical Judaism, that's why they go on patrilineal descent, right? Mm-hmm. So people shouldn't be confused with the reform movement that chose to go to patrilineal descent for all kinds of different reasons. Just in, in the, the last few decades. Yeah, and in the, in the Tanakh, you know, you look at the Tanakh, it's clearly... That, it seems yeah, that uh, biblically they went by the father, yeah. So they're, yeah. They're, the Ethiopians are following some older, older uh, flow of tradition. Yeah, and they... And they have an institution, speaking about the, um, what you mentioned, their meeting with the, the Rabbanut in Israel, they had an institution of the Kesim, of the, um, right. it's sort of Kohanim. And uh, recently, actually, uh, about a week ago, one of their, their main uh, leaders, uh, Kes Hadane, his name is, his son is actually a rabbi, but he was a big Kes in Ethiopia. He was one of the leaders or the pioneers in trying to, to combine the Kesim with the Rabbanut, which unfortunately didn't exactly succeed. It did to a degree, but he was trying to keep the Kesim as they are with their tradition, as the Kohanim, as the lead, the spiritual leaders of the Ethiopian community, but to give it the, the recognition from the Israeli Rabbanut. And it, right, I mean, it really is a problem because their, their, their traditions are so meaningful to them. And on the one hand, you don't want their traditions to be disrespected. On the other hand, there is there is sort of, you know, this 15th century, you know, based on the Shulchan Aruch, what we call normative Judaism that everyone's, yeah. and they're not exactly in that. So how do you, how do you, look, I, I, you, you had this from, not as extreme, but like, for instance, uh, I know the Syrian Jews didn't wear kippot. And so a lot of these Mizrahi Jews who, who didn't have the tradition of the kippah, who are dati, they're or, what we would call orthodox, I guess, in English. But, you know, so how do you blend that? But now, you know, normatively, is that orthodoxy or isn't it? That's not your community's tradition. And the Ethiopians have a whole slew of a different way of looking at halakha of Jewish law. And the question is, how much should they be expected to integrate or not? It's, it's, it's a cultural, but that's, now we're talking about people who are already here. Yeah, and yeah. integrating into Israeli society. Well, yeah, all, right. I mean, that's uh, right. These are also interesting. And the, what's so interesting about the Ethiopians, as we've been saying, is that a lot of their traditions can be rooted back in, in uh, you know, an older Jewish tradition. Even the Kohanim, right? The Kohanim in the priests mm-hmm. in the in the in the Bible are supposed to be the teachers of the of the nation. That's what's one of their functions. They also had so the really, Nezirim, which were people mm-hmm. who oh, yeah. um, yeah, 
Um, oh, I didn't know that. that. How do they do that? Um, it's obviously not more like the Jewish uh, version of it. Yeah. They would get married and all. It's not like the Christian priests, but they would have priests um, uh, who would uh, dedicate their life to, to spiritual and and be more uh, far from the community. So they had that institution of the Nezirim, um, which that doesn't exist here. Um, that went the Nazarites. Yeah, which is sort of like a Jewish version of a monk. I think it's a sort yeah, of yeah. monk, purely dedicated to spiritual yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, monastic. Yeah, and um, I think what we you were saying, uh, Mike, about um, the different approaches to, to the Jewish religion. It's also, in a way, the different approach to religion itself. There's the the Western mm-hmm. way, which is very you have the mm-hmm. rule book, and it's very clear. You're either Jewish or you're not Jewish. And there's the Eastern or the, the Ethiopian African approach, which is everything is more is less strict. So mm-hmm. it's more conceivable that someone converted for, because he needed it financially and then he went back to Judaism, where here it's considered, okay, you converted, it's over. Um, so I think that's also part or, of it. Organized mind. religion is a very modern Western thing. It's exactly. a more, it's a much more fluid, natural, organic thing. Yeah. In uh, in much of the world, yeah. Uh, by the way, we I mean we shouldn't uh, separate this from the European Jewish past, also, which had, you know, mm-hmm. in, in almost every generation, waves of Jews who converted for different kinds of pressures, whether they be, you know, dangerous or for economic reasons, and then and then come back. If we remember, it's actually I'm teaching it today in class. Rambam's the, yeah, no, Rambam's well, yeah, the Shmad, right? Rambam's yep. his his letter about those who are were conversiosos and how we, they should be accepted back in, and we should show that, and it doesn't mean that they're not Jews. And they they're should not, be welcomed okay, without blame. Yeah, they that's in the Arab Muslim world. Yeah, yeah. and, and, that and, was and the, the Arab Muslim you were talking world. about. Yeah, yeah, that's the Arab Muslim world, and then you had in the European world in yeah. like the tenth century, Rabbeinu Gershom saying, if somebody does yeah. that becomes yeah. Christian to save their life and then comes back. You can't hold that against them and you're not allowed to remind them of it or embarrass them right. about it. It's something they did. Whether whether they should or shouldn't have is irrelevant. They're right. 100% Jews and you have to treat them and take care of them as Jews and let that past disappear. Yeah. Are you optimistic, Ori, that the, these Jews are going to make it here in the near future? I'm very optimistic. I've been in this, okay. uh, we've had this movement for, uh, unfortunately, s- well, seven years. I thought it would be a one-year thing. I just opened a Facebook mm. page. I didn't think it would turn out to be such a long thing. Um, but with the Minister of uh, Immigration, Aliyah, and with the Minister of Treasury, and with the understanding in the Israeli government, which I think also Netanyahu understands this, um, I'm optimistic that the same way uh, 2021, we won't have coronavirus, hopefully, please God. Uh, so I, th- I, I believe this will also end. Um, then again, there might be elections now, and then who knows what's going to be, but uh, I believe it might it also might work out for good. Um, even with even if there are even if there is a transition in the government, you feel this issue may stay in the center because of the crisis. Yeah, and I feel like transitions sometimes could be an opportunity, like we've mentioned before, it could be an opportunity for something better if there'll be a minister of interior, which would would be very which would care a lot for the issue, it could change everything. And um, or a gov- or of a government panning for Ethiopian votes. Yeah. In Israel. Yeah. Could uh, 
know? Yeah, so so in that way, they they did the Ethiopian community benefit. It was beneficial for them. The the situation in the government where the political situation is so stuck that they're fighting on every vote. So the Ethiopian vote, which is very minor, still they're they're really fighting for it because it can make the difference. Right. Um, I'm going back to well, hopefully to yeah, what ahead, Alan sorry. said about. Um, the Rambam and the Jewish Arab tradition, um, the person who pioneered it in Israel, um, Rav Ovadia Yosef, he was the one who also, the same way he said the, the Jews of Ethiopia are Jewish and should be treated like Jews, and he also tried to, to stop the, the conflict with the Rabbanut. He also said this exactly, I, I believe it comes from, from the tradition you mentioned, Alan. He, he said... Um, what we consider the Falashmura, which have converted, he called them Anusim, uh, which mm-hmm. is like Moranos. They should they're they're Jewish halachically. So so he opened in a way also the gate for their Aliyah, which I hope um, right now there's a minister of interior who is from the party Shas, and I hope he he can also solve the problem. All right. Well, it's nice to have a topic in Israeli politics. We can be at least somewhat optimistic about. We don't have so many guests with so many topics. So, Uri, I hope, I hope. Um, first of all, you know, I, this is one of those things that, that, that you, when you hear about it, you get very upset that this is going on, but you don't necessarily feel good about being able to do anything. So is there anything that we as listeners can do to help move this project going to help you in your cause? Is there something we can be doing to help you? Yeah, so we have, uh, so we're, our Big powers and social media, Ethiopian uh, Jewry, uh, Twitter or uh, Instagram or Facebook, YouTube. Uh, so you could follow over there after what we do. And I think the main thing is to just pressure the Israeli government. So any any way to pressure them um, would be helpful. And again, the solution and the problem is political. So so that's the main way right. any, anyone could help. Okay, so can you send us those links and we'll put it onto the, when we we post the episode, we'll put, okay, thank you so much. Really, thank you for explaining it. Thank you for your hard work. Um, I know it's not exactly your day job, so, uh, uh, you know, we have a lot of respect for people who put themselves out like that to, just to help their fellow Jews because they care. Uh, It's a powerful thing. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you very uh, much. Thank you, Alan. Our pleasure, really our pleasure. Um, thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. And we don't have to log off, but this is the end of the episode. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.